am Alex Clements and I am Peggy Lorimer and we are paranormal investigators. We have many years of experience in helping people to um, understand and occasionally repel supernatural scourges. But in this series, we will be examining some different phenomena. We will be talking to people who feel that allegedly dark forces have improved their life and asking why. We will examine the benefits of this strange care and ask ourselves if we have been fighting the wrong battle. Sometimes our work takes us to dark places, horrible places, places that we would rather not have gone. This week, we invite you to quell your feelings of apprehension and join us. We're on holiday. It's not a holiday. Staying in a travel lodge on the outskirts of Athlone is not a holiday. I don't see why she couldn't leave her cat for a day. But Peggy, you know why she couldn't leave her cat. I don't know why yet, Alex. That's what we're here to find out. Fortified by nothing more than a continental breakfast filled with rubber croissants. I like continental breakfasts. I can never decide what to have. It's exciting. Anyway, we're here in Athlone to meet Colette. Colette has unusually befriended a corporeal supernatural being. We're here to find out what kind of mess that makes. I'm Alex Clements. Yes, you are, my dear. And I'm Peggy Lorimer. And we're paranormal investigators. And we're... Do, do I have to say this bit? Yes. Fine. We're here to find out what's in the woodshed. Happy? Yes. Um, we are here in Athlone to visit with our new friend Colette because she's made a particularly special friend in her garden of all places. Okay, Monty Don, this isn't country file. Monty takes care of gardener's world, Peg. Fine. Do you have your supplies? Uh, socks, rice, assorted alliums. Stop showing off. You've got a three-pack of garlic. I have that teaspoon that we got from the souvenir shop. It's hallmarked, and it was only £15. And I've got kosher salt. Okay, what are the ground rules? Don't stick the microphone into holes because microphones are very expensive. Oh, hello. You're early. Come in, come in. Will you both have a cup? No, yes, please. thank you. <sighs> okay, so, Colette, we'd like to interview you today about the connection you've made to the realm of the supernatural and explore the quotidian effect this relationship has had on your overall level of life satisfaction. I'm sorry? Peg, I told you that was too long. Colette, we'd like to ask you about your friend in the shed. You're probably familiar with our interviews from our podcast. Oh, now, I wouldn't be, no. Is that what you're recording for? I did my mascara. I thought you'd have a camera. It was Emily in the Landis who gave me your number. Oh, I'm having a premonition. Oh, wow, here. That we will be interviewing a hedgehog. Oh, no. Sure, they've all gone. It breaks my heart. The little wee bones pick clean, but... Sure, it's no different than my bit of bacon with a cup of tea on Friday. Hunger is good sauce. Oh, I see. Perhaps you'd like to start at the beginning, Colette. When did you first notice something in your garden? Well, it would be maybe a year ago, in July. Now, I wouldn't be able to keep up with the garden myself, not without Finton. 
But I'd get one of the O'Malley young fellas down with the mower to keep the high grass down in summer. Of course. So he tidies the beds and it's the youngest that day and he's a lovely fella, not like the middle one. He'd have had half the stuff gone and I'd never even say it to me, you know, a little bastard. I'm sorry now, can I use language? Have I ruined your tape? Oh no, it's fine. We swear all the time. And it helps that we have very few listeners to offend. So, what did the the littlest O'Malley say to you? Well now, he says to me, Mrs Ryan, the door in your shed is open. And now my shed door wouldn't ever be open, not since I lost Finton, my husband, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'm not even sure there's a key for that lock anymore. But out I go, and sure enough, the door's ajar. Only a bit, mind. And I wouldn't be a great one for the spider, so I think I'll look after it later. On the long finger, you know yourself. Right. What led you to think something was living in the shed? Well, now, it wasn't me. It was Reggie Perrin. Reggie Perrin? As in the fall and rise of Reginald Perrin? I love that show. I had it on VHS as a child. I asked my mum for a poster of Leonard Rossiter, and she said there weren't any posters of Leonard Rossiter. So I had to make one. I paused the video on his face, and then I traced it. Of course you did. Oh, well, Finton was a great man for Leonard Rossiter. Not as much as that now, but he named our cat Reggie Perrin. And Reggie wouldn't go near the shed now, the door was open. And he's an awful coward, to be fair, afraid of tinsel and all sorts. But he used to be up on the shed roof all summer like a little fat seal. I'm sure. So what did you do? Oh, sure, nothing for about a month. And then I found a dead rat. Well, most of a dead rat. The rest being eaten. So I thought, Reggie being the big baby that he is, that if there's something in the shed that's keeping the rats down, I might encourage it to stay. So if I was making a bolognese, I might pop a bit of the mince on a saucer and leave it up at the shed. And aside from cleaning up the occasional rat, I thought no more about it. Uh, Couldn't a more ruggedly masculine cat have been visiting your garden? A feline Russell Crowe, if you will. From a scientific perspective, were there any signs that this wasn't just an animal infestation? Like a chill in the air, increased static electricity? We often find that there is increased fungus presence and ferrous metals break down at a level far greater than that indicated by prevailing air temperatures and moisture levels. I'm sorry? Oh, Alex is trying to both get her money's worth from her polytechnic degree and ask you if you noticed more rust and mushrooms than normal. Ah, now, well, I wouldn't notice more mushrooms, no. But now I'd say the first time I thought to myself, maybe that's not a cat or a fox. That'd be when I had a bit of a disagreement with the trainers next door. That'd be them with the Audi on bricks in the front. Speaking of uh, rugged masculinity. Now, when Mrs. Trainer was alive, there was no trouble. But when she went in the home, her son Darren came back. And now I'd be a live and let live person. And I'm sure my radio would bother him the odd time. So if I could hear his music and his games, well... The walls aren't so thick after all. He's probably just shouting at ten-year-olds in Hong Kong. But my poor Reggie now. He would have been in the habit of roaming around Mrs. Trainer's garden, up to Cat's business. And Darren brought his dog back to the house. Awful mean thing. Tiny eyes and big shoulders. God help me for saying it, but a bit like Darren himself. And one afternoon I had the loose women on, just for background noise. I don't like a quiet room. Me either. I always have to listen to something. Yes, Alex. Yes, you do. I'm sorry, Colette. Please go on. 
Well, I see poor Reggie streak past the window and in through the back door cat flap and he's gone in a blur up the stairs and that big lumpy dog from next door comes tearing through the hedge, chasing my poor Reggie right up to my kitchen door, bold as brass, mind you, making a racket like he's going to eat the door. The little shit. Poor Reggie. And so I turned down loose women. I was at a bit of a loss, to be honest, because he's an awful dog now. He'd take the hand off you, but shortly then my doorbell goes and it's Darren bellowing that my cat has upset his dog and he's effing this and that. Keep my cat out of his garden. And with that, he goes back next door, bellows for his dog, and the two of them were gone. And I'm not too proud to say that the knees went out from under me and I had to sit on the stairs for a while. Oh, Colette, that's an understandable reaction. You poor thing. It was getting dark when I finally had the wherewithal to get my dinner on. And I remembered that I hadn't left anything for my little visitor in the shed. I still buy like there's two to feed even after. But anyway, I took my little saucer of mince down to the shed and Reggie was stuck to my ankles and I was soothing him, telling him about the nasty dog and don't you mind him. And, well, I think I was heard. So what happened next? I have goosebumps. Have some more tea and don't be shy about biscuits, girls. So where was I? Well, I didn't get a wink of sleep that night. My heart was racing and Reggie was prowling around. But around three in the morning, I heard a crash, a thump and a yelp in that order. And after that, there was no sleeping to be had. So I read a maigret until my alarm clock went off at seven. Oh, I do like a nice maigret. Maigret and Merlot and I'm out like a light. And well, when I let Reggie out the back, I saw something on the saucer at the shed and I thought, it's unlike him to have no appetite, but it wasn't leftover mince. It was half a dog collar. Oh, wow. I mean, that's awful, that poor dog. For, for the sake of clarity, Colette, do you mean you found a dead dog? No, no, nothing like that. Well, a few scraps, maybe, a bit of fur around the shed. And I thought, well, he's a nasty thing. Maybe he picked a fight and he ran away. And Darren was bellowing in the garden for him for half the day, making more noise than the dog ever did. So the dog never appeared again? He did not. And God forgive me, I wasn't sad to see him go. Poor Reggie Perrin's fur had been falling out in clumps and his bald patches were filling in nicely. But what else made you think that this was more than just like a badger or a raccoon? Alex, they don't have raccoons here. Well, there was a bit of other trouble about a month later. Little gurriers from the new houses over the way, throwing rubbish into my garden at all times of night, sitting on my front wall. I'm, I'm the end house, you see, and there's a green, and when my Finton was here, we always thought it was nice to have our privacy at the end of the road. But I think the little bastards... I'm sorry, can I say bastards? Oh, please do. Well, the little bastards must have a, what do you call it, a database of women living alone with cats because little shits wouldn't go away. And and Finton was much better at that sort of thing. He just, he had a presence. People used to think he was a Garda. Some people do just have a presence. I mean, it's often assumed I'm a mystery shopper. Oh, well, there you go. But anyway, every night, there they were, sitting on my wall, cycling their little bikes in front of my house, playing awful music out of their phones. And it was coming up to the school holidays and I thought to myself, if I have another two months of saying, excuse me, to get into my own gate with those little shits peeing in my garden, leaving their dirty big bottles of cider in Finson's rose bushes, 
and not even the break for a few hours until three. Well, it's time to start counting my prescriptions. I'm sorry, Colette, do you mean... Yes, Alex, Colette is referring to suicidal ideation brought on by the horribleness of other people? Well, I mean, I wouldn't have, but I could see how... Well, anyway, after it all happened, I remembered there was one night. I was a bit wild, and I had a bit of a cry one evening in late May, and I was in the garden with Reggie Perrin, and I may have said all of this to the shed. Oh no, what did the shed say? Alex, you know the shed didn't say anything. You've been consistently disappointed every time we've investigated talking wood. Remember that awful camping trip to an allegedly muttering hazelwood? But what happened, Colette? More dog collars? Well, it was one of those awful sticky nights and the little shits were bellowing outside the garden. Our bedroom, my bedroom, faces the front and I didn't want to be so close to them in case they'd be looking in the windows, but I didn't want to move into my Aoife's old room at the back of the house because then I wouldn't know what they were doing in the front. Do you know what I mean? I do. Well, I'm lying there and there's the music and the shouting and then this awful crashing and I thought, Jesus, don't let them set my bins on fire. And then there was a noise like a big crashing wind through all the trees at the end of the road. It was like a big autumn storm out of nowhere. Oh, this sounds wonderful. And as sticky as it was, I had the covers up to my chin and poor Reggie in the bed beside me and his little heart going like the clappers. And I listened to the screaming and the running and the rushing dying down. And I lay there and I didn't move until the sun came up in the morning. Yes? Well, I pulled over the curtains in the morning and I couldn't see anything in the garden. To be honest, it looked a little bit tidier and all the bottles were gone. Oh, marvellous. And I checked on the Facebook because we have a local nosy neighbour group. It's meant to be for reporting burglaries and changes to the bin schedules, but if I'm honest, it's mostly Len Leary from the Pines trying to offload the shock and drawing board he got off his mother-in-law in January. Oh, don't tell Alex about any awful furniture, especially if it's free. She's filled the box room with a pile of chipboard delicacies because she's trying to find out if they carry vibrations from the departed owners. Well, there was that coat rack that made bread go mouldy in a very unusual way, Peg. That room smells so funny, anything would write help in mould on a piece of bread. Well, anyway, some woman jeans something from the road over. She's making a show of herself on the group, saying that her young fellow was attacked, attacked on our road last night. And he's too afraid to go out and there's an awful element on our road saying all sorts. Little bastards. And she posts a picture of her young fella and he looking like butter wouldn't melt with a big bandage on his neck. And wasn't he one of the little gorriers who'd be drinking on my wall? Oh, wow. What did you do? Well, what could I do? I went down to the good butchers, um, not the Tesco, mind, and I got a nice piece of flank steak, too. Well, I suppose maybe if a thank you was in order, I should get a little something. Just for our listeners, um, Colette has now described two very dramatic incidents that may or may not have been supernatural in nature. Alex, are the urgent recaps necessary? I like them. And it's important to remind our listeners that we're still very much an investigative show. Fine. 
Colette, what you've described here is quite dramatic, but you sound like you're fine with it. As in, not screaming, running out of the house, perhaps setting the shed on fire, just to be sure. Like a rational person with a monster in their shed would. Peggy! I think it's a valid question. There's a man who gets my bus every Tuesday. He smells like wee and wants to talk about his ferrets. I avoid him for both those reasons, and I'd settle for one. Colette, you chose to continue feeding the mysterious thing under your shed when you suspected it may have eaten a dog. What was the real reason? Well, now, I get your meaning, and it's fair enough. But the way I looked at it, he was less of a bother and more of a help. The garden was tidier, Reg Baron was happier, and I've never met a butcher who didn't put his finger under the scale for someone who was buying as much mince as me, so that was a saving in itself. And he wore the same size slippers. Oh, well that's very... wait, what? To be fair, I may have twigged he wasn't a badger when I found the collar, because I saw his feet sticking out from under the shed. So I chanced my arm. And I left him a pair of Finton slippers with his mints that night because it'd be damp enough under there and, well, may maybe a dressing gown and the evening paper. How did you know it wasn't just a person sleeping rough under your shed? Oh, no, God love them. I do a bit of work myself with the Simon community and there'd be no comparison. No shoes on him now and freezing cold, but it was like he had one of those manicures for your feet. Pedicures. I love pedicures. It's the nicest type of tickling. She does love them. When I hear shrieking coming from the ensuite, I know she's doing it again. Exactly. When a man looks after his feet like that, you rarely have trouble with them. I had a pair of slippers that I bought for my Finton for his last trip into hospital, but he, had, he hadn't needed them in the end. So there they were, looking like the perfect size. So I left them outside the shed for him. And uh how was that received, Colette? Sure, when I came out the next morning, wasn't the box gone and folded up in the right wheelie bin? And hadn't he only gone and cut back the box hedge a bit so that I could take the bin out without getting a face full of soggy leaves? What did you think was happening? Yes. What was your understanding of what was under your shed? We find that many people ignore or willfully misunderstand supernatural matters when they occur. We met a man once with a minor demon trapped in a cigar box and he thinks it's an Alexa and the demon's just so grateful for the attention and being able to retire without being exercised that he's playing along. He's switching lights on and off. He's playing the Beach Boys. It's quite sweet, really, but we couldn't convince his owner that it wasn't the internet. I did sort of suspect that he might be um, a vampire, isn't it? After the business with the gorriers on the wall and, and seeing the young fella's neck on Facebook, I did go down to the super value in the town and I had a good look at the garlic and the Saxo table salt. But then I overheard two women beside me talking about going to the library and finding an unopened expired condom being used as a bookmark in a Bill Bryson book. Like one of them and, and the other one was scandalised that the condom owner had stopped reading at that point because she'd read the book herself and it was brilliant. And I thought, I, I can't wait to go home and tell him about that when I bring him out the mince tonight. So I knew he had to stay. 
that's really really sweet I love finding things in library books it's like a message in a bottle but flatter and not on beaches now that you'd accepted that you had a guest vampire in the garden did you feel unsafe yourself at any point I did wear a crucifix when I dropped out as tea once or twice but sure I forgot most of the time and if he'd wanted to eat me he'd had a good few months to do it and did you have any other trouble that you needed to tell the shed about? Do you know now, when I finally twigged what was going on, I didn't need it so much. It was nice to have the option, though. I nearly needed it, mind. But I couldn't think of a good way to explain it if Brian turned up missing, we shite. Sorry, who's Brian? Brian's my son-in-law. I suppose I shouldn't say this, though, if this is going out on the radio or something. I'm not one for claiming I can see the future, Colette, but I can almost guarantee that your son-in-law, Brian, will not hear this podcast. Peggy, you never know, but yes, Colette, in the interest of science, it might be important to record this. Okay, now, where was I? Oh yes, Brian. He's married to my daughter, Aoife. I suppose it's all right to tell you. He's such an awful dope anyway. He'd need my Aoife to tell him how to work a podcast. I mean, he's grand, but he's a taker, you know? Last summer, Aoife and Brian and my grandson Dylan made one of their rare appearances for dinner. Aoife doesn't cook. Then again, Aoife calls housewives unemployed wives. So that'll tell you something about my Aoife. Oh, she sounds absolutely charming. God love her she is. So while I am swearing up and down to Dylan that no, I don't know where poor Reggie Perrin is, when I know right well that he's hiding from him in the airing cupboard, Eve is telling me a sad story about Brian's car dying on the main road and he's going to be spending two hours every day on the train. So I say, but sure, he can take mine for a few days. So you loaned him your car? That was nice of you. Well, I didn't see hide nor hair of my car for two months. What was it you called him? An awful dope? I think you underdescribed him somewhat. I know, I know, but after the first week I thought, this is a bit much, so I called my Aoife, and I asked about Brian's car, and she said, yes, wasn't it awful? Poor Brian's car is a write-off, and making a good impression is so important, and he's going to take his time to find a replacement. And I'm trying to say, but I need my car for carrying cat litter home. And I've been buying beans one tin at a time. And somehow, Aoife starts talking about it's great that I'm getting out and about. And sure, do I even need the car? And there I am, agreeing with her, like a great big Egypt. But she's always been like that. She goes on at you about her big bloody idea. And then somehow you end up working at cross purposes to yourself. Oh, that's awful. I had a friend in school who told me that I should always do a first draft of my homework because that's what professional writers do. And then she'd check it for me like a professional editor. Except she was just making you do her homework. And people people don't do first drafts of maths. And I didn't even want to be a writer. She's very persuasive. She's a teacher now. Well, that sounds plausible. That sounds like my Aoife. So, did you eventually get your car back from Aoife and Brian? Sure enough, I did, but only once Brian had had a new Jeep. And I didn't even say anything, like a fool. Do you know, he drove past me once while I was carrying shopping, 
and he saw me. He saw me, made eye contact with me, and then he did that stupid squint like the sun was in his eyes, and me there holding my umbrella in the rain. I know what I want to happen next. Ah, now I may disappoint you here, so. Well, Aoife, Brian, and a ball of muck with a Dylan inside came for a visit one Sunday. Not even ringing first, but texting. 30 minutes before they arrived, like I'm making a roast dinner for four every Sunday in the hope they might bless me with their presence. So I raced up to the Tesco and I got one of those Indian boxes, you know the ones, loads of food, ready in 40 minutes. And Dylan's only ever eaten potato waffles, to my knowledge anyway, so plenty of food. Dylan might get scurvy. You can't wish scurvy on a child, Peggy. I'm not wishing it, but I am observing it. You're not wrong, Peggy, but as I have been reminded, I am not his mother. So I'm watching my oven and we're all in the kitchen while Aoife talks nostalgically about how no one cooks from scratch anymore, as though she'd know what to do with a carrot. And Brian's poking through my fridge because 40 minutes for a free dinner is a source of immense suffering to him. What? That's really nosy. Fridges are private. Oh, that's just Brian, a taker. But that wasn't the worst of it. In light of services rendered, you might say, on the weekends I'd treat my friend to something special. And that Sunday it was a lovely bit of steak. So Brian takes the steak out, says, that's great now, you can fry that up while we're waiting. Make a proper dinner out of it. I want you to know that I'm crossing my fingers and my toes for a particular conclusion. And I don't say that lightly as I don't like thinking about feet, even my own. Well, I'm not sure if this is what you're hoping for, but God forgive me, I slapped the steak out of his hand and I told them to go and come back when they had an iota of respect for me on my home. Yes, I'm doing a breakfast club type air punch, but without any of the awful connotations. That's a really big change from last summer when Brian borrowed your car. Well, you know, I saw Brian holding the steak big lazy lump and I thought about himself in the shed asking for nothing and just listening to me and the garden looking lovely nowadays and I saw red and God helped me the oven timer buzzed for my dinner as I slammed the door on them and I started laughing until the tears were streaming out of me and Reggie was looking at me big-eyed with his tail in a puff and I ate my Indian dinner in the garden that night and I pulled the garden chair and table a bit closer, you know, to the shed, just to make a bit of a night of it. And that was really the start of it being a bit more official, you know? Well, that really sounds like your garden visitor has had a positive effect on you. I like to think we both enjoy the company, yes. This is the kind of story we love to hear about. But as it's getting quite late in the afternoon, would you be able to show us the shed? We'd like to measure the ferrous degradation and fungal proliferation and check the ambient temperature, that sort of thing. And don't worry, we've taken precautions. Well, I mean, no problem, but it's a very normal shed. I'm not sure what you're hoping to see, but we can head out. We're just taking our recording equipment to the garden where we'll take some measurements. This is actually really exciting. Please don't bounce when you're holding your expensive equipment, Alex. So, here we are, girls. 
I put up those curtains in a bit of a fit of madness when Fintan retired. I thought he'd be out there listening to the radio and tinkering, but sure, he was stuck to my side all the time. As the sun's going down and I saw the cute steak on the kitchen table on the way out, it would be wonderful if we could record you putting his dinner out. And some pictures for the website. But girls, why would I bring his dinner outside? I, I thought you brought it outside every evening. Oh, I'm sorry girls, I've left his dinner out already. Um, uh, th there's a candle now lighting in the kitchen window and someone's at the table and I think I've sat in something wet. I thought I said before, he's not under the shed, girls. The thought of him outside in all weathers. I wouldn't do it to Reggie Perrin, so I couldn't do it to him and me with a fine big house, with a fine big airing cupboard. Do you want to come in and meet him? He's not at his best first thing in his morning, but he's such a good listener. I, I, we, we couldn't, we couldn't possibly intrude on your evening any more than we already have. And, and I, I have an awful problem with people watching me eat, so I'd certainly never want to be so rude as to do that to your, your friend. Thank you so much, Colette. You have been the consummate hostess. And now we will, um, um, we will view the hedge cutting you mentioned on the side passage. Alex! Yes, Peggy. Say thank you to Colette for the biscuits and tea. Thank you for the biscuits and tea, Colette. Bye, girls. Don't be strangers and mind how you go. Alex wants to add this bit where we say that we're not dead. Well, we have to sign off, Peg, and we couldn't in the garden because the sound wasn't good and we didn't have chairs and also I had to change my pants. Fair enough. Colette has... Well, she's found something special in the most unlikely of places. Some might say that the most special thing Colette found was herself, Peg. Some might, Alex, but I always tend to focus on the bloody great vampire in the earring cupboard. Yes, um... Can I have a Kit Kat peg? Yes. Bye, listeners. Bye. Hi, listeners. Welcome to another cottage update. We're actually in the cottage right now with Brenda. Well, Brenda, what you've done with the place is certainly... It's, uh, it's... It's a strong decoupage statement. Thank you. That wall is called the Madness of King Ludwig. The castle is actually made of 700 separate photos of Davina McCall. That's, um, that's such a lot of, uh, hello magazines, I suppose. I've been saving them for a really long time. Not just hello, though. Okay, heat, now, good housekeeping. If Davina is there, so is my purse. Of, of course it is. And can I just, can I just say thank you so much for, for not revealing my, my little... Peccadillo? My, my what? Stop showing off your vocabulary, Peggy. Your little vice, Brenda. And of course we wouldn't reveal it. We know you sent those parcels to that, um, with love. 
it doesn't matter how they were interpreted by the recipients. Well, it's a bloody charitable interpretation. I tell you what, Brenda, I know this whole inheritance process has been very hard for you, and I'm not strictly a decoupage person, but... Jesus, no. Pick one wall, Brenda, and we'll leave it up. That'll be the one in the kitchen, my masterpiece. I assure you, it would be so great if you could leave it up because I, I thought I was going to have to take the wall or something, like, like Banksy. Why is this happening to me? Oh, from the BBC? Yes, I love him. You, you, you love him? Yes, I love him. You love him? Yes, I love him. That's partly why I sent him Brenda, all the... Brenda, shush. Oh, sorry. Yes, I love him. And now he is the son. He is very affable. I almost understand why Peggy, he sent him... shush. It looks like the Teletubby Sunshine Baby grew up and became a beloved broadcaster. And I agree with Peggy. He is very affable. And very far away, Brenda, and married, you know? Yes, yes, I know that. I call this peace. Morning is not broken, and neither am I. Of course you're not. Well, you know, no more broken than... I'm not broken. Of course, you're, you're not broken. I look forward to being neighbours with you. We do too.